This is Profiles in Risk. Hosted by Nick Lamparelli. Every week, we interview those who risk life, limb, fortunes, career, and reputation, and those who work behind the scenes who look to protect and enlighten us about risk. You can find the show notes and other insurance-related content at insnerds.com. That's I-N-S-N-E-R-D-S dot com. Now, on to the show. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Profiles and Risk. I'm your host, Nick Lamparelli. Uh, very pleased this afternoon to be speaking to Curtis Goldsboro. Curtis is a client and product developer at the National Insurance Inspection Services Company. Curtis, welcome to Profiles and Risk. Hey, thanks so much, Nick. It's uh, it's great to be here and, uh, you know, long-time listener, first-time caller. So I uh, love that. <laughs> no one's ever used that before. Um, we had a conversation last week and I immediately was like, let's get you on a podcast because inspection services, it's something I think the insurance industry takes for granted. It just sort of happens in the background. Uh, right, right. Inspection gets ordered. It just kind of happens data gets passed around, but I don't think anyone really understands some of the mechanics around it, how your business model works and functions. And interestingly, as going through your website, how much InsurTech is involved in the, the inspection arena. So I always start off every podcast by giving the floor to my guest as an elevator pitch. What is NIS and what do you do there? Yeah, absolutely. So I like to say we take the literal approach to business naming. So we try to spell it out, you know, right in the day. This is who we are. This is what we do. It's better than in general inspection. Yeah, right. <laughs> absolutely. You know, I, I like to say uh, a couple of months ago, I downloaded an app. I thought I was going to get a cold citrus beverage delivered to me and I ended up with a runner's policy. Um, now, it was a good runner's <laughs> policy, but uh, <laughs> it was... I wonder, which, I wonder which one that could be. <laughs> National Insurance Inspection Services, uh, we've been around for uh, about 12 years now. Um, our owner and president, uh, Larry Llewellyn, has been in the business for 40 plus years, was co-owner of another company before starting National uh, about 12 years ago. And so we do uh, insurance loss control inspections for carriers, MGAs, and then even some larger agencies. We're currently inspecting in 49 states. Uh, Alaska, the only exception. It's just too dang cold up there to to uh, to do inspections. So yeah, but you in, you included Hawaii. We do so we you, do you do pick, Hawaii. You pick, yes, you pick you pick the right non contiguous state. Yep, absolutely. You know, I've been campaigning for five years, Nick, to go do some field training in Hawaii, yeah. but uh, you know, I, I haven't gotten the green light on that yet. You gotta, we got to improve your persuasion skills. <laughs> yeah, um, right. For for listeners uh, or viewers that don't understand loss control and the term loss control, what does that mean? Yeah, so uh, that's a great question. I mean, there's certainly lots of different niches in terms of, you know, whether you're talking about, you know, risk management, some people might call it or, or, or loss control. Sometimes it can just be a lot of semantics. In, in our kind of niche of the industry, loss control just means on the front end, underwriting side, when a new policy is written, Obviously, underwriters want to have some control over the potential risk or the potential losses that they could anticipate for that individual property. For our purposes, that's kind of the, the niche that we're in. Uh, you know, when a new policy is written, we're going to provide data and resources for uh, an underwriter to look at to determine what's the potential for loss of this property. Does it, A, even meet our eligibility requirements and, you know, satisfy our underwriting guidelines? 
Um, and then B, uh, you know, do we have it rated properly for premium purposes? Um, and do we fully understand all of the liability exposures here on this property? So I guess that's maybe a broad description of, of loss control for our purposes and, and our niche that we work in. I've probably ordered hundreds of them, uh, <laughs> right. almost, um, probably almost entirely as a broker. Mm -hmm. And so you order it, it comes back, you send it to the carrier. The carrier sends you a note and says, hey, there's a crack in the sidewalk. Someone could trip. So send it back to the broker and the homeowner, tell them to fix it, it you know, and then there's back and forth. But I've seen everything from that to there's paint chipping on the side of the building and the carrier is like, can you tell us when they're going to get a paint job? I was like, really? Yeah. That, that's how deep this is going right. you know, in, in some of these inspections? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's always... I think from from my perspective anyway, you know, and being involved in kind of on the client and product development side, I work really hard in developing those relationships and onboarding on the front end to sit down with the lead underwriter or, you know, VP of underwriting or whatever it may be and say, yep. hey, let's really drill down on your specific underwriting guidelines. What do you care about? <laughs> do you really care about that cracking sidewalk? Do you really care about that chipping paint? Because at the end of the day, most inspection vendors, like the company that I work for, National, you know, we kind of have our own standardized inspection forms, kind of templates that we might use that cover the gamut, you know, for a lot of clients. And then obviously we, we customize those inspection forms for a lot of clients mm -hmm. as well. But, you know, kind of our standard form would, would cover the entire gamut. Because as you mentioned, some carriers do get that granular with it. You know, they are concerned about, you know, some of those very minor things. And, and it kind of, for most carriers, it depends, you know, what end of the spectrum they're on. You know, are they a, a preferred carrier? Or are they kind of more on the other end of the of the spectrum in non-preferred markets? And, and that has a, a huge impact. Yep. So how'd you get into it? What was your background and what made you decide that, hey, this looks like fun? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I kind of have a, maybe a little bit of a unique path into the insurance space and then certainly into the loss control space. <laughs> no one has a unique path. <laughs> I've, I mean, you just, you end up hearing all these stories about how people get into insurance and it's like everyone, there's that small handful that's just like, yeah, I always knew I was going to get into insurance. You right. know, those people and you kind of roll your eyes and then there's the rest of us. It's like, I need yep. a job. I came from, I was a lawyer, I came from economics and said, oh, I'll give insurance a try because I needed a job. That's how it usually happens. What's your story? Yeah, absolutely. So I don't know. I like to think that mine is a little bit unique or maybe a, a more. Well, on let's, the let's find out. <laughs> <laughs> so I graduate from Bible college with a degree in theology. And okay, I, it's already, I, I think we can stop. <laughs> it's already unique. Let's stop. Just kidding. Go ahead. Yeah, so I find myself as uh, as an ordained minister out of college, <laughs> and getting and, better, you know, and and you know serving in nonprofit ministry uh, roles, working primarily with uh, with youth. Really enjoying that. Did that for for about seven years, and different circumstances, it was time for a change. Mm -hmm. And so from there, uh, I had kind of taught myself a lot about kind of media production. This was around the time of. Mm -hmm when digital video was kind of, you know, really coming on the scene. So kind of followed that niche for a little while, worked yeah. for um, some public access television, kind of got my feet wet in the media production side of things. Believe it or not, I had, you know, this was small town, rural northern Michigan, um, you know, up in the frozen tundra. My local personal insurance agent that insured my home and auto, I was stopped into the office one day to, you know, add a new truck or something like that. 
And uh, he said, hey, Curtis, I'm getting ready to retire. And it just kind of jokingly said, you want to become an insurance agent? And, you know, I kind of laughed. And so, The right message at the right time. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it, 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 was, it was exactly that. And uh, at first, I kind of blew him off. And then one thing led to another. Next thing I know, you know, I'm a licensed agent with, with Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan. Assumed his book of business and grew that book for the next five years or so. That was kind of my first introduction to insurance inspections. Honestly, as an agent, uh, I hated insurance inspections. <laughs> of course. <laughs> they're a pain in the neck. Yeah. Um, they're, they're always incorrect, uh, at least from my perspective. I remember writing my parents' house. This is that, literally the house that I grew up in. Farm Bureau orders an inspection on it after, after I write the house, and I get the inspection back, and you know the inspection says that, that the house that I grew up in uh, you know, has a full basement and it's on a slab, you know, and I'm like, come on guys, really? And then obviously the, the things like you mentioned, I write a house and you know, this, in my mind, this is a preferred risk. I write an entire portfolio of business, you know, yeah. for people write their home, their vacation home, you know, yeah. six or seven uh, personal auto, write their business, business auto policy, et cetera, you know, write some life insurance on them, annuity, you name it. And then the company comes back and says, Hey, this inspection report shows that there's peeling paint on the fascia. When are they going to fix this? You know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of my, my introduction to, to the kind of loss control inspection side of things. And so I did that for, for five years and, and always thought that, you know what, there's got to be a, some improvements that can happen in this, you know, there's got to be a, a better way to do this that would be less frustrating for, for agents and ultimately would be more, more profitable, you know, and a better process for, for carriers. Yeah. What are the types of characteristics that make for a good inspector? That's a great question. I mean, there's definitely, you know, definitely a handful of things that I would say a, a good inspector and, you know, someone that we're looking for when we're, you know, onboarding a new inspector here at National, probably the number one thing would just be organizational skills. Inspectors are juggling a lot. They have stuff coming at them all the time. Again, kind of in our niche with insurance inspections, you know, mm -hmm. if an inspector is staying busy, especially if they're working at this full time, they're cranking out 25, 30, sometimes 40 inspections a day. They're quick on their feet. They're moving quickly. Wait, wait you, what was that number? How many a day? We're talking anywhere from 20 to 40 a day. Wow. And again, keeping in mind, and this is where I think where a lot of times there's some confusion because when people hear the word inspection, uh, just that word kind of gives a, t a connotation of maybe a more detailed process in people's mm -hmm. minds than what might be the reality. It, it could literally be someone shows up and just takes a few pictures of the outside of the home, that type of thing. It absolutely could be. And obviously there's, there's a myriad of different inspection types, but absolutely right. A, a drive-by inspection is a thing. There a are some inspection. In, yep. Uh, where an inspector doesn't even, they're not even required to get out of their car. They pull up to the curb, snap a couple photos, and they're on their way. It takes okay. 30 seconds. That's one end of the spectrum. And then the other end of the spectrum would be a, you know, what we would consider a, a more comprehensive interior exterior inspection where you are contacting the policyholder to schedule an appointment. You're going to gain interior access. You're going to photograph the inside, the outside of the home. You're going to take measurements, uh, you know, around the exterior perimeter of the home, calculate uh, living space, square footage, et cetera, you know, and those inspections could take 30 minutes, you know, 45 minutes, yeah. depending on the size of the home yeah. and everything in between. So uh, let's break down workload. How much would you say is personal lines versus commercial lines? So, yeah, that's a great question. Here at National, we are really laser focused on personal lines mm -hmm. and specifically just 
residential property, which is, it's a little bit different than, you know, a lot of the other inspection vendors out there. Um, you know, a lot of inspection vendors have kind of diversified. A lot of them do equal amounts of commercial and personal lines. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are branching out into other things, appraisal services, telephone surveys, a premium audit, you know, is a big thing right now. Certainly nothing wrong with doing that. I mean, there's lots of money to be made out there in, in all of those areas for sure. But we've kind of taken the approach of we want to do one thing and we want to be the best inspection vendor out there. We're laser focused on that. We're going to provide the best value, the highest quality possible. And so we've really put all of our energy just into the residential side of things. Yep. Maybe at some point in the future, we'll you know look to expand on it, but we're, we just really honed in on that. And we've, we're focusing on doing one thing the best that we can. You know, We yep. want to be the premier provider in that niche rather than doing a bunch of things and maybe not doing them you know, to the best of our ability. Casualty is usually very, or liability is usually very underrated when it comes to that. What do your inspections capture when it comes to potential liability to a homeowner's policy? Yeah, absolutely. That's, you know, one of the primary things that we're looking at. You know, when you're looking at an an insurance loss control inspection, really we're providing three specific uh, kind of areas of data or data points to a carrier. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the first thing that we're doing, you know, the majority of the time is gathering info on the dwelling itself. So structure features, finishes, let's verify that square footage, you know, make sure that we know what the actual square footage of the home is. What is the roofing material? What is the siding material? What type of foundation are we looking at? Obviously, all of those, uh, you know, factors playing a key role in determining what's the actual replacement cost of this home. And on the carrier side, you know, do we have the appropriate cove in place, you know, for this home or have we overinsured or underinsured this home, uh, you know, on the application? So, mm-hmm. you know, so that's the first thing. The second thing is, are there any physical damage concerns with the property as it exists? We're, you know, we just wrote a new, a new policy on this property. Was there pre-existing damage on this, you know, that we're going to see a claim filed on two weeks from now? where this damage happened long before we were ever even on, you know, on the risk. So, you know, we want to identify those physical damage concerns. So is there missing siding or is the roof in poor shape or any of those types of things? So that's, that's kind of the second piece. And then the third piece is absolutely identifying, you know, those liability concerns that are on the property, whether that's, as you mentioned earlier, trip and fall hazards, cracking sidewalks, missing handrails on steps. Mm -hmm. Is there a, is there a pit bull in the backyard? Uh, you know, that's gonna, trampolines, trampolines, swimming pools with, with slides or diving boards, you know, mm-hmm. and again, every carrier has their own guidelines and their own, you know, appetites in terms of what they're willing to accept and what they're not comfortable with. So, so yeah, we absolutely do all of those things on the liability side as well. Are you ever asked to do any sort of inspection in regards to contents or internal or external mechanical equipment? Yeah, I mean, uh, to some extent, you know, we offer, and, and most uh, most vendors, uh, inspection vendors, you know, offer what we call them supplements, you know, so you can order a, an exterior inspection. And if you're concerned about, you know, maybe the mechanicals of the home, you can add on what we call an EHP supplement, electrical heating and plumbing supplement. So that just means, yeah, the inspector is going to go inside the house. He's going to go through a checklist of questions with the homeowner. He's going to, you know, provide photos of, the, you know, furnace, water heater, plumbing under the sinks, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those types of things we can certainly do. And honestly, they're, they're becoming more and more popular. Okay. I, th- I think because the reality is a lot of those homes that were built in the 60s, 70s, you know, or prior, um, you know, have galvanized plumbing. It's about the time that that plumbing is starting to fail. And that's why, you know, you're kind of seeing industry-wide, you know, I think they're saying right now about 30% of all homeowners claims 
our interior water water damage claims that originated from inside the home because those galvanized pipes are failing. A lot of carriers now are saying, hey, if we write a home that's pre-1970, we need this EHP supplement. We need to find out, you know, what kind of plumbing is in this home because there's significant risk factors there. What kind of plumbing does cause a problem? So, so galvanized. What's the, what, explain what that means. Most modern homes, you know, if you have a brand new construction home, pretty much all the plumbing in that home is probably going to be, you know, PVC plumbing or some derivative of that. There's a, a bunch of, you know, even newer products out there. Copper would still be, you know, pretty common uh, use as mm-hmm. well. But that, you know, older galvanized plumbing that was used, you know, on main supply lines and then even a lot of the distribution throughout the house, you're talking that's, you know, 50 years old now and, and it's failing, failing at joints, it's Is rusting, it, it's, okay. it's becoming corroded and it's breaking. A- apart from, you know, obviously the freezing, you know, breakage of, of plumbing yeah. you know, based on freezing and, and the colder climates. But even beyond mm-hmm. that, you know, those, those pipes have, have reached the end of their, uh, of their usable life and they fail, you know, and cause significant water losses. Yeah. Yeah. So how does someone become an inspector? We talked about, good, you know, like characteristics of someone being an inspector, but who should consider potentially becoming an inspector and how would they do that? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a great question. I can't speak industry-wide, but my best assessment uh, based on my knowledge and my exposure, I would say that the majority of loss control inspection work that happens in the country is done by people who are not full-time inspectors. A lot of people do it kind of as a side gig. Really? Some of our best inspectors here at National are honestly retirees who they're just looking for something to do. They're looking for something to keep busy at, you know? Interesting. Okay. And honestly, those are some of our best inspectors. They have the life experience, the organizational yep. skills. They have the people skills. They're just in it to, uh, you know, for something to do. They like to meet people. They like to talk to people and they do a fantastic job. That's not to say that there aren't, uh, or that there is an opportunity for people to, to do loss control inspections full time. There absolutely is. And we have a lot of inspectors, obviously, specifically in more urban areas, um, where the, the work volume, you know, is enough to keep them busy. They do inspect full time. But yeah, I mean, it, it really does. It covers the gamut. And because there's really a pretty low entry point to get in, in our specific niche, there is no specific required licensing. There's no specific required certification. Every inspection vendor, you know, obviously has kind of their own onboarding process and and, you know, training process. Probably the majority of inspection vendors work on a, an IC basis. Uh, we don't hire on inspectors as employees. You're a 1099, an independent contractor. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are a handful of vendors out there that use an employee model. But the majority of us, you know, use an IC model. And most of us, we kind of onboard through uh, a handful of specific channels. If you want to become an inspector, hop on our website, submit your resume. We'll take a look at it. You know, we'll ask you a handful of questions. What area are you willing to cover? You'll get piped right into our orientation and training process. Here at National, I've kind of been integrally involved in that and have developed yeah. over the last five years our, our orientation program and curriculum that essentially will take someone that, you know, may have uh, limited exposure or limited experience to, to really anything in the insurance industry or even in the contracting industry or building trades. And we can take someone from really from no knowledge and, and get them up to speed and with a little bit of, you know, jumping in and getting your feet wet and, and learning by doing. Someone can be up to speed, you know, really quickly yeah. and, and can do fantastic work. Oh, that's really interesting. I, I knew nothing about that. So that's, especially for people that are listening, that a lot of young professionals uh, are interested in the side hustle. Yep. And, and this would be a way to get exposure to a different aspect 
of the industry that could have ramifications or give them exposure to other industries as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Really you know, we have a lot of, you know, because people are doing this as a side gig, I had mentioned like, you know, retirees, but even, even a lot of people who are maybe in the building trades, yep. they'll do loss control inspection work for us just to fill in the gaps in their schedule. Sure. Whether that's, um, you know, just kind of slow times in the year based on geography and, and climate and whatnot, there's always inspection work, you know, that can be done. So it really does help fill the gaps for a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, how has it changed over the years since you first got started? I can, you know, only speak for, you know, the, basically the last 10 years as I've had any exposure to it. Although, you know, I love to sit down with Larry, our, our president, and he's been in the business for 40 years and, and talk to him about, you know, how it's changed over uh, the last four decades. I think, you know, a lot of the changes have been very similar to any industry. 20 years ago, inspectors were, you know, literally receiving their orders in the mail on paper, going out in the field wow. with, a, with a Polaroid camera, yeah, snapping Polaroid photos, you know, shaking them in front of the house, making sure that they look good, <laughs> filling out paper reports by hand, putting that all back in the mail and, you know, sending it back to back Jeez. to the home office. And you're talking about turnaround time for carriers being two, three months sometimes, you know, before they get an inspection results back. And, and obviously that, you know, had a huge impact on, on underwriting, you know, back then. So kind of fast forward, obviously everything is, has gone digital now. Inspectors receive work, you know, in real time, you know, on mobile devices. Um, they can submit their work on mobile devices. Obviously, you know, nobody's using Polaroids anymore. Inspectors are using digital cameras. Most of them just using their smartphones now. Um, so just kind of that kind of standard, you know, technological evolution has certainly been very prevalent in our industry. And really now, just in the last five years, like all of InsureTech, you know, things are really speeding along pretty quickly. Some of this newer, newer technology is certainly coming into play. And, and I think like any industry, one of the interesting dynamics is that there certainly is the element of technology replacing inspectors. That's starting to play into it. But at the end of the day, who knows where technology might be, you know, 10 years or 15 years or 20 years from now. But I tell our inspectors on a regular basis, there is no more accurate and trustworthy and reliable information than a knowledgeable inspector boots on the ground, standing in front of that house, analyzing the risk and providing that data. There's a boatload and just a proliferation of, of third-party data sources now. It seems like there's a new one every week coming out and everybody's touting that, you know, they have the, the most accurate data or the most reliable data. And I think those, all of those companies and startups and whatnot, I think they do provide great value and they certainly have their place and they'll continue to, to evolve and to provide more value and efficiency to the process. But at the end of the day, I don't think inspectors are ever going to be completely replaced. You know, they're always going to have their niche. They're always going to have their place. Though I, you know, I would certainly, I would certainly submit that I think the, the standard traditional field inspection is, is certainly going to lose, lose some ground, certainly over the next five years. It already has to some extent. So um, it'll be interesting to see how it continues to evolve. And NIIS is active in technology. Yeah. So you you actually are expanding how you use technology to do inspections. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So about three years ago, we were starting to see all this proliferation, you know, of InsureTech coming on the scene. And we're kind of foreseeing, trying to, you know, to, to shake the eight ball and see, you know, what's coming down the pipe in our industry. Because at the end of the day, like any industry, companies that are not willing to innovate and to iterate, they're going to be the losers in the end. You know, certainly don't want to fall into that category. No. So we started brainstorming, you know, what is that going to look like for us? Where is our kind of niche of the industry going to be, um, you know, five years from now? 
And, you know, how can we be on the cutting edge of that? And so we went to, to our clients, we went to our carriers, to our MGAs and said, hey, let's talk about this. Let's talk about where the industry's going. Let's talk about, you know, what are your pinch points? What are your pain points? Yeah. Where do you see inefficiencies? How can we improve this process for you? And we started to get great feedback. Some of those pain points are, you know, one of the biggest ones is just turn time. How quickly does it take to get this inspection done from the time we see that application and we order that inspection, how quickly can we get those results back? Obviously, that's a huge deal for carriers. In a lot of states, I think most states, maybe you could speak into this, but you've got a 60-day underwriting window. Once you yeah. get beyond day 60, you're locked into that risk for the next year um, and maybe longer you know, before you can potentially non-renew if you need to. If you right. don't get an, if you don't Some get areas, an, it's down to 30 days. Is that right? Yeah. 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 If you can't get those inspection results back quickly, you don't have time to react to, to what the inspection yeah. is, you know? So, you know, you could get stuck on a risk that, that is completely ineligible based on your underwriting guidelines, but you can't do anything about it because you didn't know until it was too late. So, you know, so that was one, one big thing that we wanted to, you know, address and say, how, you know, how can we increase turn times? How can we get quality data back to our carriers as quickly as possible? If you go out and look at inspection vendor websites, you know, uh, most of us are going to tout that we have a standard 20 day turn time. That's kind of been the industry standard, you know, and, and most carriers have been, have been content to work with that. I would say that that has been changing, especially with, uh, with some of the bigger players over the last few years. They've really been flexing their muscles and say, Saying, we've got a ton of business we can send your way, but guess what? You know, we need this faster. Yeah. <laughs> we need this turned around in 15 days or 10 days or even seven days, you know, in some regards. So interesting. There's definitely been some movement in the industry in that regard. Uh, again, especially with some of the bigger the bigger players that that have the weight to throw around, and you know they're they're going to get what they want one way or the other. Yeah. So that's added some interesting dynamics. Anyway, you know, as we were getting feedback from our clients, and we started to brainstorm, hey, what can we do to innovate and to address some of these inefficiencies? Came up with this concept, and it's you know certainly wasn't new to us, but there had been a little you know buzz and talk going around in this in the industry about the feasibility of self-inspections. Rather than sending an inspector out to this property, why can't we have a policyholder essentially do their own inspection on their own home? So we just started exploring opportunities, having conversations with clients. Hey, what do you guys think about this? You know, we spent 18 months in development of, you know, what we call our e-survey self-inspection product. Uh, it's a mobile web app um, that allows a policyholder to, to complete their own self-inspection on their home. So yeah. essentially everything that we would be asking our inspector to do we're asking the policyholder, you know, to do right on their mobile device. And it's going really well. We've got a ton of traction with it. We're seeing some fantastic results, put a lot of time and energy, uh, you know, as I said, 18 months into, into development and iterations and seeing what works and what doesn't work. We've come up with a really solid product. We have, you know, a handful of clients. We, we just went live with it about six months ago. We've got a handful of clients that are, that are running with it full steam. We're seeing average turnaround times of four days or less. Many orders, honestly, are getting turned around the same day, which is really just insane. Imagine an underwriter ordering an inspection, and within hours, they have a full report. It includes interior and exterior photos of the risk, uh, a pre-screened risk rating score based on their own internal underwriting guidelines, um, accurate ITV confirmation. The policyholders had a seamless and positive experience. You know, there's no stranger showing up at their door to inspect their property. And we're able to deliver all of this at less than half the cost of a traditional field inspection. It really is a game changer. And I'm super excited. We got our first tier one carrier on a pilot uh, that's going to launch nice. in about three weeks. 
And so, you know, we'll see how that goes. I'm really, really excited about that to see some of the bigger players in the market, at least saying, hey, we want to take a look at this because we see great potential here. And we see this as kind of the way that things are moving. And so for them to look at, at our product and say, hey, this, this could be a good fit for us is super exciting for me and, and kind of provides a little bit of validation that, hey, this is where the industry is going, mm-hmm. you know? When some of those tier one carriers see the value in it and they say, hey, this is, this is a viable option for us. Let's, let's give it a test run. It's been really good. And there certainly have been, every time that you say self-inspection, I know lots of red flags go off in underwriters' minds. Hey, what about this? Is the data that we receive, is it going to you know, have integrity? Are people going to be intentionally cheating, trying to cheat, yeah, 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 cheating yeah. the system, trying to deceive us? And honestly, you know, before we launched the product, we had a lot of those same question marks. You know, now with, with six months of data to look at, kind of our initial feedback and our initial results have been really, really positive. And I think that some of those things that we perceived maybe would be a huge hurdle, those really are not, they're not coming to reality as being nearly as big of a hurdle as, as maybe we were afraid they might. So, so yeah, you know, that's, the, that's kind of the main thing that we've been focused on is our, our e-survey self-inspection app. Um, kind of in the insure tech space. I'm excited to to see where it goes. It really yeah. is providing a ton of value. There are so many pluses to it. I love talking about it because it's, in, in my mind, it's kind of a no-brainer. Yeah, it reminds me of self-service at the grocery store. Right. You know, when they first came out, it's like, who would want to do that? And then it's like, no, a lot of people would want to do it because it's faster, you know, um, I'm sure there are a lot of in, inspection um, situations where people, People don't want strangers coming over to their house. It makes them uncomfortable. So I'm sure there are a lot of opportunities where it just makes a lot of sense to just quickly, um, you know, all the, all the power in here. Yes. You know, you could just take advantage of it and really cut down time, costs, uh, reduce the friction. So uh, I yeah, love absolutely. that. In, insure tech in the inspection services. Uh, I love that. Curtis, this is the part of the podcast where we learn a little bit more about you. I try to ask all my guests questions. It's a shortcut for me because I'm lazy. So (laughs) I get to learn about new technologies and new books. So first question to you is uh, about that is uh, what tools or techniques do you use to stay productive and or organized? Oh, yeah. Productive and organized. Uh, you know, I would say... You're you an know, inspector, so I already know that you are organized because you told me <laughs> a good inspector had to be. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, I would have to say, you know, number one, my wife keeps me organized. Uh, she's been doing it for 16 years. And uh, <laughs> no, but, uh, but seriously, you know, on the tech side, you know, I'm a big fan of Evernote. Been using that for a lot of years. Fantastic tool. Uh, for, you know, when, when those, uh, you know, epiphanies happen throughout the day, um, you know, keep track of all those thoughts, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're, uh, when you're multitasking and whatnot, CRM, you know, software, we're using Salesflare right now. I love Salesflare. They're doing a great job for us. Uh, because I do so much kind of on the, on the media side of things. Um, you know, Adobe Creative Cloud is my best friend. Uh, I, I love all of the tools there that help with, with media production. Slack, um, you know, certainly uh, Dropbox. I think if I looked at my, you know, bank statement at the end of the month and saw all those nine ninety nine charges, could probably list yeah. off a bunch more. Blue, Netflix. <laughs> those are essential. <laughs> yeah, those are essential. Can't live without them. Come on, come on. <laughs> have there been any books that uh, you have found to be influential in your business and/or personal lives? And uh, are there any books on inspections that? any uh, would-be inspector could get their hands on? Yeah, absolutely. So books, uh, you know, I, I am an ordained minister, so I, I better say the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, you're not so. the first one that said that. 
<laughs> I'm here. I would say a very close second, you know, to, to the Bible would be um, a book that I actually just started reading. You may have heard of it. Um, it's called The End of Insurance as We Know It. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but... Uh, <laughs> I've never but, heard uh, of that, yes. Yeah, you, you really should check into that, Nick. It's, I, uh, it's, I am it's the publisher, one. so thank you. <laughs> thank you for ordering that book. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I uh, just started that a few days ago on Kindle and, uh, and obviously nice. kind of been following you know, following Rob's journey with that and, and uh, appreciate all that you guys have done and helping facilitate that. I think a recent one that I just finished um, is called uh, Rework, R-E-W-O-R-K, mm-hmm. yep. um, um, Jason Freed, and I uh, can't remember who the co-author was of that. Some really good stuff in there. I know that book's gotten mixed reviews and I've heard a lot of strong opinions one way or the other, but just some really great tips that have been really helpful to me just in terms of management productivity, time management. I think my, my favorite section of that book is the section entitled Meetings Are Toxic. Um, mm. you know, t- talking about how, uh, unfortunately, it's so easy for, for meetings to be uh, just hog your entire day and, no and not much gets accomplished, you know. So that's a great, a, a great pet, book. that That's a peeve of mine. And not necessarily meetings. I, I completely get that. It's uh, folks that uh, only work in meetings Mm-hmm. And then when you get your five minutes with them, they want like the executive summary to make yes. like critical decisions about the company. It's like right. I, that, that stuff frustrates me to no end. It's like, you can't run, you can't run a business like that, you know, <laughs> schedule fewer meetings. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I, I, are there any books on inspection, inspections, inspectors that uh, beca- are like the Bible for your industry? Yeah. You know, there's, there's a little bit out there, although I would definitely say, you know, the fact that you're saying that it challenges me, you know, gosh, I, I probably should, you know, write a book on this. Uh, Cause there's, yes. there's, there's not I'll a whole lot of insurance nerds. <laughs> there you go. There's not uh, there's not a whole lot, um, a whole lot out there in that regard. Okay. Uh, sp- again, specifically in our niche. Yep. I guess the only thing that I would say is, uh, you know, for home inspections in general, InterNACHI is a, is a fantastic resource. Mm-hmm. Now, again, that is more tailored towards, um, you know, becoming a licensed and certified actual home inspector, you know, which is a lot of overkill kind of for our niche and what we specifically do. Uh, but they do have a ton of great resources on their website. And uh, even just the free resources on there, you know, would be a fantastic starting point. Okay. They do have a lot of publications and, and books related to that. You know, that could certainly be a good starting point for people. Yep. Yep. Uh, awesome talk. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, basically educating us on the, uh, on the, the whole backstory of inspections and, and um, what goes on there. So like to keep in touch with you, have you on the uh, podcast again, but also uh, let's get that book written. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, I certainly do appreciate the invite, Nick. Really love what, what you and, and your uh, colleagues are doing with Insurance Nerds. Awesome community there. I love being involved in uh, the, the Slack channel, you know, listening to the podcast. You have some fantastic guest authors there that are putting out fantastic content. And so um, keep up the great work there. Excited to see, you know, how that continues to progress and, and see what the future holds. I appreciate it. Thank you. My guest this week has been Curtis Goldsboro. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks everyone. Um, I never, I never do this, but we should, if you're listening to this, if you're watching this on YouTube, subscribe or hit the five star button, whatever you need to do, please recommend that. I I never do that enough. Uh, Let's get more people listening to, to this. We got interesting people like Curtis on. Let's share the message. So until next time, thanks Curtis. Bye, everyone. Thanks, Nick. Take care.